You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. I don't know if you can tell by the tone of my voice, but we're a bit more chipper here on this Monday after uh, Roma's big, big 4-1 uh, trouncing of Atalanta and Bergamo this weekend. I mean, if you listened to our last episode, you know Brandon especially was not very optimistic heading into this match. I tried to be the optimist. I will say I posted some things on Twitter uh, earlier this morning, things I posted on our message boards right before the match kicked off about you know, the the minor earthquake in Bergamo, hoping it was the team getting riled up at the hotel. And, you know, what a great day would be if uh, Tammy and Nico both scored, and they did. Uh, so I can gloat a little bit today. Uh, I know Jimmy was a bit more optimistic heading into the match than Brandon, so he could smile. Brandon, I guess, will be happy to say he was wrong, or maybe he was just pulling a reverse jinx on us. But before I even go to the guys, I'm going to lead off with the question from Irish Romanista. He said, only feel good this week. So when was the last time Roma made you guys feel this good? That's a pretty good question, honestly. Um, in terms of like an actual match making me feel great, uh, when was the last time we thumped Lazio on the Derby? That's probably the last time. Because, I mean, I don't know. I nor, my The first one I jumped to feeling this good was like the Barca comeback. But that's just like on another level. Um, and outside of match results, I'd probably say that this summer I was feeling really good about where we were headed long-term and it's nice to you know see some justification of that even if it's just one match yeah i think uh the comment the uh the readers are going to fact check you fact check you in the comments on who is the most optimistic because i did see one shout out jimmy specifically for being the lone optimist among us (laughs) but i will claim a reverse jinx attempt on my part so you're welcome guys um but so yeah I, i agree with jimmy i feel like picking out the the Barca comeback is uh, too sensationalist and that's just on a different level completely. Um, I'm going to go a little further back and um, 
pick taught uh, the game against Torino where Totti came off the bench and scored with his like first or second touch and then scored the winner on a PK at the end. Um, just because, you know, that that's a completely unexpected scenario and, um, you know, it's Totti, so you, you can't, you couldn't really put it past him, but still is pretty incredible stuff. And I think um, the win on Saturday was on the same level, just in terms of how completely unexpected it was, especially with the form that Atalanta were in. So that's probably going to be what I would say the last time Roman made me feel that good as Saturday. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the league, definitely last season, there wasn't anything really to this level. Um, you know, early in Fonseca's tenure, we had a couple of nice wins against Napoli and Milan. I guess if you point at last season, the only game that really might've made us feel anywhere near this good was maybe the Ajax fixture because Ajax was a tough draw in the quarterfinals of the Europa League, but then, you know, United quickly uh, <laughs> put those feelings to rest in the next round. But yeah, it's been a long time in the league and it feels really good. And what made it feel even better to me is the way that Roma just took it to them in terms of the scoreline. Like this was an emphatic scoreline. The game, you know, could have gone the other way if certain things went Atalanta's way. But overall, this was probably Roma's best performance in some time. And um, AS Roma fan six, uh, you know, came in with a comment, not a question this time around. He said, I'm proud of the way this team played. They stood up to a far superior opponent and punched them right in the mouth. It was also comical to hear Gasparini complain about the refs. Now you know how we feel every week, Gasparini. Uh, I think he makes a great point there. I thought the refereeing was actually good. We can talk quickly about the refereeing because I don't think we have any other questions about it. But uh, I thought Irati was good. I thought he handled the match well. I thought the yellow cards were justified, including the one to Zaniolo and um and the offside call it was in the media a couple of different places say that it was reviewed and it was a correct offsides on the the goal that Zapata headed in and then I think it was Froiler was the one that touched it last and he was clearly offside so the the referees actually did their job for once uh from a Roman perspective not favoring Roma just calling a straight match in my opinion I don't know what you guys feel about it but I thought it was I thought it was well refereed yeah I mean I have one quibble with this I I don't think that you know Atlanta is that far superior of an opponent to Roma I mean anytime if this was not like a fluke win uh, and it wasn't even like a one zero complete, like playing terrible football to get the three points type of win either. This was like a out and out good win that, you know, the only reason why Atlanta was on the score sheet at all was, you know, a completely unintentional own goal on Brian Cristante. So like the fact that we were able to go through 90 minutes and not give them any goals from like actual play, that's pretty impressive to me and indicates that, you know, with fewer injuries and with things going more Roma's way in the refereeing department, that Roma is, does deserve to be in that top four. I would also just say that, yeah, the, the refereeing performance by Arati was solid, was what I would expect. You know, do I love the fact that Zaniolo picked up a yellow? No, but that also just seems to be a part of his game right now. He, and to a certain extent, it almost seemed like he calmed down and played better following that yellow, just from my personal perspective. So, I mean, all in all, I can't complain about the refereeing. And I would, but I would also just say that if Roma is able to play like this against Atalanta, that kind of implies that they're, you know, not that inferior to Atalanta as a club. Maybe less depth, but they're not that far inferior. Yeah, for me, I agree with the majority of the points you guys made about the refereeing. So not too much for me to add there. I will say, thank God we do, we did have a competent refereeing performance because there were several uh, Zapata dives or falls or what have you 
um, with a different refereeing crew, that might be a penalty going the other way. So just thankful for a competent referee. Yeah, and I think in terms of when people say they're a superior team, I think part of it is just that that project's been around for so long and they've been achieving results now for a good three seasons. Um, so I, I think man for man, in certain positions, they might be better. But I, you know, I think Jimmy makes a good point that overall the roster's not that far superior to Roma. It's just when you have a manager in place for as long as Gasparini's been there, he makes his players better with the system. It reminds me a lot of what Bill Belichick did with the Patriots. Now, granted, Tom Brady's one of the best quarterbacks ever, but the, the system creates the team that won all those Super Bowls. I mean, you look man for man, the Patriots were, were far from the best team at a lot of positions when they won Super Bowls. So I think that's where Atalanta excels so much. Um, and, you know, I, I think that that's where it comes from. And, you know, Mourinho hyped them up as the far superior team. And one thing I will just say, Jim, um, it, I don't think it was a fluke either that they won this match. I think Rome has been close to winning some of these matches this year. But what I put at the end of my piece that I put about this possibly being a turning point uh, of the season yesterday is that if Roma doesn't win against Milan and, and Juve and can't get a result as, of some sort, the, the skeptics of Mourinho and the hecklers and those people are going to start coming back out and saying, well, that was a fluke because Roma then lost to Milan and Juve. So um, I don't think it's a fluke, but hopefully for Roma's sake, they don't let it become a fluke uh, by not achieving results after the Christmas break. Yeah, I'm just going to preemptively push back against that potential narrative um, just by, you know, something that I mentioned last week on the podcast. This is an incredibly tight Serie A. This is not like 2010's Serie A where, you know, it was literally just Roma and Juve coast to coast. Like from match one to, ma- to the end of the season, it was those two clubs remotely sniffing the Scudetto. This is a far tighter league. This is a far more competitive league. I mean... Roma has had some pretty terrible losses and they're still only 12 matches out of first place. And they're, you know, six matches out, six points off of fourth. So, I I mean, I would just say that if you look at the table right now, it's an indicator that, you know, there are no easy wins and losing to another, you know, top five side like Milan um, is not going to be an indicator that, you know, the project is ruined or anything far from it. I think it's just an indicator of how far the league has come since, you know, the 2010s in particular. Agreed. And just one more point before we move on on the table. Yeah, the table's getting tight now. Now Roma's only six behind Atalanta, who they now at this moment have the head-to-head against, right? Uh, Milan and Napoli are only eight ahead. You know, Inter is a bridge too far, I think, for everybody in the league, including Napoli and Milan, who are four, four off the top. I can't see Inter losing this kid to, to, to these type of teams. Um, but Milan have only two wins in the last seven matches I saw this morning. You know, if Roma get through Sampdoria with three points and, you know, maybe Milan slips up against Empoli on the road. Empoli has been tough on some big teams. Who knows? Maybe Roma's within five or six points of Milan when they play. And then, you know, you get a win against Milan to start the second half of the season. And and who knows where it could go from there. So, yes, certainly the project, you know, is a three-year project. But with the way that the league looks this year, there, there will be opportunities if Roma can, you know, take their chances in these big matches like they did on Saturday. So it, it could be a very exciting um second half of the season and I guess we kind of got a little bit into this next question as we were talking but uh Sufyan asked was this really an unexpected result or was something like this bound to happen with all the bad luck Roma have had against the top teams I think it's a little bit of both I would lean more towards it being an unexpected result because the the second prong of that implies that it might be a little fluky win, um, but as Jimmy was mentioning earlier, uh, this was, you know, we kind of smacked them and 
as good of a perform as a good of a performance, sorry, that you could have asked for um, in a match this big. So, you know, I think the luck was certainly bound to turn, but um, I don't think anybody could have expected when that luck did turn that it would be such um, an emphatic win. Yeah, and I mean, I would just add that we, we talked about how the refereeing was good or, you know, not good for Roma in like a, oh, it decided the match kind of way, but in a, oh, this seemed like fair refereeing on the whole. And when it comes to that, I think that if you look at a lot of the matches that we've grumbled about Roma losing or drawing, there have been a lot of matches where rightfully so right afterwards, Mourinho, Thiago Pinto, just like Roma's management in general has been like the refereeing has been terrible. Refs have gotten, you know, demoted down to the second tier for poor management of a Roma match, things like that. So as much as we still have to really wait and see to see how much sustainability there is for this kind of sugar high that Roma has off of this emphatic win over Atlanta, I do think that to a certain extent, you know, the, the, 10 wins, one draw, and seven losses that Roma have so far, it's a little bit unfair to the quality of the team. I think that there, this is a higher quality team than its record would indicate so far. And I think the fact that they were kind of able to, as Brandon said, smack around Atlanta for 90 minutes straight is an indicator that, you know, this is a better team than its record would indicate. Yeah, for sure. I mean, of, of the matches they lost, the only match I can say they truly got blown out of the water was the intermatch. match. Uh, the rest they were in, you know, including the, the sides that are near the top, like Milan, <clears throat> Napoli, you know, 0-0 was a, a, a very good result at the time because Napoli was unbeaten. Uh, and guess who's crying about the refs today, guys? It's not Roma, it's Milan. If you saw what happened at the end of that Milan match, uh, they feel very hard done yesterday uh, by an offside at the end of their match. So a club that has benefited a lot from the refs and penalty kicks uh, was denied a game-tying goal yesterday, which uh, was, a, was a big loss for them at home against Napoli. So, you know, I guess it, it what comes around goes around at points. So Milan can handle that this week. The Milan uh, accounts and podcasts and writers can can complain about the refs. We can we can actually be smiling about decent refereeing. So you know, talking about the the result, um, I agree with the guys that it was a bit unexpected in the way it happened. Uh, not so much that Roma are that far off of Atalanta, but Jody asked, "What do you think is the single factor that had the biggest part of the win? For example, preparation time. No midweek games this week." Uh, unlike other clubs, Adelana playing with a very high defensive line, leaving spaces to exploit. Players finally clicking under Mourinho, competent refereeing. So uh, what, what do you guys make of it? I mean, I certainly hope it's not about there being no midweek match because, you know, we have Sampdoria on Wednesday and then Milan on, on the 6th of January. So like the midweek match thing, like there is a gap actually there. Sorry, I was just thinking, you know, if we have a Wednesday, that means we must have a Wednesday and a Sunday. Wednesday. But we do, Jim, when we come back, Milan is a Thursday and Juve is a Sunday. So, so then there we go with that. That logic will then apply. So like if we've got Milan and Juve, then I don't want to lose one of those matches and to be able to say like, oh, it's only because there's like a mid, it's a midweek match screwed us up. I think this team has to be good enough that, you know, a midweek match doesn't screw everything up. Uh, as for, you know, the high defensive line, I think that was a factor. But not to sound like a broken record, but I think that the competent refereeing really helped here. Uh, I mean, in a roundabout way, Gasparini kind of commented on it by complaining about one of the goals that didn't get count, that was correctly not counted for Atlanta. He said, well, if that was called, then it would be 2-2 Atlanta and it's a totally different match. And he's right. And it's correct that it wasn't called. So final, competent refereeing made sure that Roma was able to you know, run away with this one. 
So I don't think it's any one single factor as the question asked, but I, I think it's, you know, a combination of a multitude of things. But I will say that during the match itself, I was thinking, you know, around the time is like 3-1-4-1. This is what, uh, you know, we, we can see the result of Mourinho having a full week leading up to a match. Um, and the players themselves talked about it pre-match, how prepared they were and all that good stuff. And it's a really, it's really a testament to what this team can do when they have that time to prepare. Obviously, um, as you guys mentioned already, there will be situations where we have midweek matches and then match on Sunday. But this is kind of what we were talking about when we were saying in the beginning of the season how useless the Conference League is because, mm-hmm. um, you know, what 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 would the season be looking like if Mourinho had a full week to prepare and we didn't have to worry about these Conference League matches over the last few months? So, you know, I don't I don't think it is. Um, the single factor for why we won but i think at the same time it's a good example of what this team could like look like given the time to prepare yeah i I think um it is hard to point to one single factor i do agree with the point of Mourinho having a full week i think that was a big factor when you have a a tactician like Mourinho who can really game plan a match um i'm looking back at roma's schedule uh three days before they played lazio they played udinese uh, Juve was coming off an international break. So a lot of the team really didn't arrive until a couple days before that match. I remember, especially the South Americans, um, Napoli three days before that was the thrashing to Bodo glimpse. And they, they still pulled out a zero zero against Napoli. Um, maybe cause they knew if they didn't, they they'd be in big trouble with the Tifosi. But, uh, right after that Cagliari midway midweek match. And then they lost two one to Milan, uh, prior to inter, uh, Bologna was a midweek loss one, nothing. So, I, I think it does have a factor. I'm not going to make excuses for Roma. That they can't play two week matches. Cause guess what? You're professionals. You have to, but one of the main reasons I was actually rooting against Roma to win the last match day last season was I didn't see the need for the conference league when you're trying to build a quote unquote project long-term. Yes. The argument is there if Roma can find a way to win the conference league. Then it's a trophy and sure. That's something to build on. Great point. If Roma does win it, maybe I'll feel differently about it. But uh, if Roma go and crash out in like the round of 16 and, you know, they drop some results in the first half of the season because of these two week mat, uh, two match weeks, maybe we'll be regretting it if we finish like three points off of fourth or something. So um, definitely, I think it's a factor, but I do think it's good to see Mourinho have a full week and see what he can prepare a team for, you know, not the most appealing football in terms of possession, 27% possession, but they executed it perfectly. And I think that was the, a big difference too is we come on here all the time. Oh, the Juve match, we conceded first. Milan, we conceded first. Inter, we conceded and then just capitulated because Inter is that good, I guess. Uh, even Lazio, we, we conceded first two times and then we fought our way and almost came back from, you know, a, a giving up three goals. So I think the to me, the biggest factor is Roma got to play with a lead for once and not have to fight back. And the game plan when you're fighting back just goes out the window. You know, against uh, Inter was always going to be tough because so many absences and, you know, I think Mourinho was going to try to hold out for a 0-0 as long as he could in that match. But the Juve match, man, once they gave her that goal and Juve parked the bus, it was it was tough sledding from there. Uh, if they don't give up that goal to Juve, I don't think they lose to Juve because I, I think they're superior to Juve right now. So I think the execution was huge. Getting that early goal from Tammy, it just, I think it just took the weight off the players. And then Zaniolo scores about 20 minutes later and it's 2 nothing, And you're like, holy crap, like we, we, we got this. You know, the, the goal before halftime hurt, the own goal, but the players responded well. So I think 
I think th- that took a lot of pressure off just getting that first goal because so often they've had to play from behind and it becomes it becomes so difficult for them and, and it, it just throws Mourinho's game plan out the window especially when your game plan which we've seen so often in these matches is defend like hell and, and then try to hit on the counterattack. it's hard to do that when a team is defending a lead yeah it's nice when the other team has to um, throw their game plan out the window at the first minute <laughs> <laughs> I know. Good thing this was like a 9 a.m. and not a 6.30 because we might not have believed it if we saw it uh, at 6.30 anymore. I might have <laughs> think we were still dreaming or something. But have gone back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of the less possession-based football, Romulus Lupo, not a fan of it. He said he's not a fan. It's annoying him, especially against smaller clubs. How do you feel about it going forward? Because like I mentioned, Roma, 27% possession in this match, but it worked out because they were so good on the counterattack. I'm not going to be picky. Uh, when it comes to winning against big clubs. And I mean, I don't know if Romulus Lupo is referring to Atalanta as a smaller club. I think that we have to be at the point where, you know, we consider them on par with like that top six, um, that traditional top six, Uh, maybe pull out like Torino from that list and add in Atalanta as like the big clubs when it comes to who you're facing on a week in, week week out basis. Uh, So, I mean, I'm fine with it if it results in big wins. Um, do I love a beautiful style of football that, you know, Roma keeps most of the possession, has wonder goals, that kind of deal? Like, of course I do. That's fun to watch. But at the same time, we've had so many complaints over the past, honestly, decade of Roma playing down to its competition, first of all, and second of all, not being able to, like, actually win when it counts. So the first bar to clear is going to have to be winning when it counts enough to, you know, get to the Champions League again. Once we've been able to do that again, then I can start quibbling about, you know, style of play when it comes to these important matches. But until then, a win is a win, and I will take what I can get. Yeah, I completely agree. I, you know, as long as we win, I don't care how it's done. Um, I've never been one to to want beautiful football, in a, you know, at all costs. Um, so as long as we get the win, I'm happy. And I think we're going to see this going forward against, you know, the teams that are on equal level with us or bigger than us. Um, just because, you know, even if we do get, um, quote unquote, better players in subsequent transfer windows, I think that's still going to be the style of play in these big matches, just because at whatever club Mourinho has been at, that's kind of been his bread and butter. So I don't think that's going away. But we've seen thus far this season that against the smaller clubs, we um, we, we open up a little bit more. We look a little um, more likely to press the issue than you would expect under a Mourinho coach side, which is why we talk so often about all these offensive statistics that Roma are at, are at or near the top of. So I think you know, for, for the purposes of this, this question, I don't think we have to worry about seeing um, such defensive-minded football against the smaller teams, but I think it's definitely here to stay in these big matches. Yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere. This is like vintage Mourinho, like you said. He's, he's going to be the pragmatist in these kind of matches, and he'd rather see it go 0-0 than open up too much and, and have another inter-type result. And Roma wasn't even trying to open up in that match. It just, you know, injuries got in the way and things happened. But... Um, you know, possession-wise, I'm looking back at the Serie A matches and which FB reference has possession for all of them. Most matches, possession-wise, they're 50-50 or better um, outside of, like, the Napoli match, which they were happy to sit back and try to counter. And, you know, if Roma executed a counterattack in that match, we're talking about that as the first big win of the season. 
Um, Inter was a very low possession. Now, Atalanta, and I expect this trend to continue. So um, it might be a little annoying at times to watch. But guess what? If Roma's executing the way Mourinho wants to execute, I think this is the way he's going to approach it. Like you said, especially if Tammy and um, Nicola Zaniola are clicking. If those players are clicking on the counterattack and Roma's able to run at teams, then if Spinazzola comes back and he's coming down at, on the counterattack, pushing the wing and things like that, Roma could be very dangerous on the counterattack. And I think Mourinho sees that. And uh, we'll get into the defense soon too. But if the defense is able to stand up to Osiman in the Napoli match, now Zapata, they match up pretty well against these bigger, stronger type strikers. You know, uh, Inter was a little bit of a different can of worms. They, they had a little bit, you know, different result playing with uh, Lotaro and Dzeko. But for the most part, Roma's been pretty good. Uh, the center backs have done well. And, um, you know, I, I don't think Mourinho's going to, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But- Especially after this match, at least for Milan, I think we'll see a similar approach. And speaking of the defense, uh, Calcio Carl asks, is it as simple as this? For all the young talent at center back, Chris Smalling is the difference in AS Roma winning against the top teams. Um, and I, I pulled out a stat here from Cordillera Dello Sport this morning. They had something about Smalling. And they said, uh, I'm going to quickly translate it, so it was a little broken. Excuse me. Uh, but in the six games that Smalling has played as a starter, he has contributed uh, 12 points. So that's two points per match and in terms of Roma's win-loss win result. Um, and they've given up five goals, three of which were against Inter, which is uh, less than a goal a match, 0.83 goals on average. And when you really break it down, take out the Inter results, really much less. Um, and without him, Roma has gotten 19 points in 12 matches, which is 1.58 points on the table per match, giving up 15, which is 1.25 goals per match. So the numbers seem to indicate something. Do you guys think that Smalling is the key? Yeah, I, I think that he's definitely an important part of Roma's defense when he's healthy. Uh, that's not to take away from Ibanez or Mancini because they're both. I mean, Ibanez in particular, I I always preferred Mancini just because you know I I'm I'm a little partial to the guys who can show up on the Italian national team. Uh, but at the same time, Ibanez has looked world class this season, and that really needs to be said. I think that. The issue with Roma's defense has often been this season that there isn't necessarily as much balance on the wings uh, as one would hope for. And I think that that's partially because, you know, we're not functioning with as much depth at fullback as one would normally expect. So, you know, Karsdorf gets run into the ground, Vigna gets run into the ground. And after a certain point, you know, that just results in the defense being a bit weaker. Um, but I would say that Smalling, it looks like he can be an important part of this defense going forward. Um, I hope he's healthy. And I mean, the ideal situation for me is that Smalling is able to play for Roma for another season or two at this level ish. And we can use that time to, you know, kind of bleed in Kumbula as a longer term partner with uh, Ibanez and Mancini because. He hasn't gotten as much, you know, out and out praise recently as Smalling has, just because, you know, Smalling is way more of the finished article. But at the same time, I've been pretty impressed with what Kambola has been doing in the three at the back formation. I think that he's looked pretty good, especially for a very young defender. We expect Marquinhos out of every single defender who's like under the age of 20. Uh, but from what I've seen from Kambola, he's looked really solid. And in the next year or two, I could see him becoming, you know, a regular starter, or at least a key rotation piece for this side. And the Kumbulu rumor started swirling again today. I saw, I think it was an Il Romanista that Juric um, is really pushing for and possibly in a lone swap. So keep an eye out. I don't know how credible those are, Jim. 
Yeah, I mean, it's obvious to me that, you know, any mid-table Serie outside would want him and probably give him more minutes now. The question is whether that would be smart for Roma, and I would definitely argue it's not. Uh, one of the issues that we had with Kumbula coming in in the first place was the reason why he wasn't, you know, just a success from the word go was because playing for Verona is a hugely different experience on, on defense than playing for Roma. And apologies to Torino, who now sit at what? Um, okay, they're they're tenth place. They're they're not as bad as they were earlier in the season. Um, but playing for a mid-table side is never going to be the same experience as playing for a side that, even if their form doesn't indicate it, is the type of team that you know the small clubs circle on the calendar when they see it coming up. You know, like every match that a small club plays against Roma is viewed as a big match. So it's a totally different defensive mentality playing up for a club like Roma than for, versus playing for like a small uh, Serie A side. And I, I wouldn't want to see Kumbula go away unless we were just like, you know, done with him. And I don't think we should be done with him. Got all of those winter transfer rumors. <laughs> uh, just quickly going back to um, Steve and Steve's initial comment about how well Roma's coped with the various top uh, side strikers, um, you know, the ghost of Jekko came back to haunt us. That's why that intermatch was such an outlier, um, which, you know, going back to that intermatch, I think that's evidence as to why Smalling isn't necessarily the difference in winning against these top teams. Um, he played that match and, you know, we got destroyed for all intents and purposes. Um, but at the same time, I'm torn because, the team noticeably improves when he's in the lineup. I don't know if he gives them just a tremendous injection of confidence aside from his own play, which was phenomenal on Saturday. But um, so, yeah, I'm torn in answering it because, I, you know, there, there's evidence both ways. I lean more towards, you know, you want him in there when he's fit. As promising as Kambula may be, I think. The, the parent the um, triumvirate of Smalling, Mancini, and Ibanez is the way forward, especially in those big matches. But yeah, I'm I, I, I'm curious to see how because um, we're one and one right now in terms of uh, winning against these big teams when Smalling's in the lineup this season. So let's uh, let's see some more evidence before we make a determination one way or the other. Yeah, I, I think if we stick three-man defense, I think Smalling is is the guy to play the middle in these matches against these veteran KG strikers who can get physical. And, and you know, I, I love Mancini. I love Ibanez. I think Kambula's got a high upside still. I just think against the more experienced side, sometimes their inexperience uh, can come back to haunt us. The, the intermatch, like Brandon said, was a little bit of an issue uh, because Smalling did play. But I think that was just a such a bad team performance. It's hard to pick out just one guy who was at fault for the goals and, and everything else. Um, you know, Cordier Del Sport, you know, pointed out in that a couple of paragraph piece they, they had that I cited that, you know, Smalling being so good on Zapata allowed Mancini to really focus on uh, Pasolich, who's been so good recently in good form, and Illich was completely taken on the match by Ibanez, and I think was actually pulled uh, at halftime or so. So they, they really took those kind of guys out of the match too. So it's kind of a domino effect because Smolin gave them such the, the security. Now, like Brent said, if we get a couple more matches where Roma excels defensively with Smolin in the middle, say they, you know, get past Sampdoria, which, you know, not to jinx anything, I think most people would expect they do at home with like 50,000 people on a Wednesday night heading into break. I think the crowd will be behind him. That'll help. 
they go to San Siro. Ibrahimovic is looming. If he could take Ibra out of the match, that then it becomes a little more impressive. You know, then it becomes like a stronger case study. And then there's Morata, who's not on the same level, but another veteran, wily striker who knows how to find the goal. So uh, I think the early evidence is there for Smalling, and I think he will be the man when he's fit to play the middle of a three-man back line if they stick with three-man back line. But, you know, let's see a couple more matches where he really excels and Roma can do it. And, you know, it also helps he's been chipping in on the offensive side of the, the, the score sheet too. Um, so he's helping in, in multiple ways. So, you know, one more on the defense. Um, AS Roma fan six threw in a question here. He said, this team continues to play well when there are three defenders in the pitch. Even if we pick up a defensive midfielder in January, do you believe the best strategy for this team is to stay with three defenders or and meaning three center backs or two defenders and a defensive midfielder not named Brian Cristante? Uh, so what do you guys make of it? Do you stick with this three-man back line or do you play like, um, I'm just going to throw Zakari out there, even though it's not Zakaria most likely with two other center backs? I have liked what we've seen from the three-man back line compared to, I think it works well considering our relative weakness at fullback right now. I'm not entirely sure. I'd have to know way more about the defensive midfielder we'd bring in um, to make that work before commenting. And the thing that I've noticed a lot in the comments from uh, Mourinho and Tiago Pinto heading into the winter Mercado is that they're not looking to totally revolutionize the squad in January, which is smart because you pay a premium for trying to get anybody in January. Uh, so I guess I would say that, you know, three defenders at the back has been working. So why not continue working with it and, you know, bring in the midfielder, but have him be a rotational piece alongside Vertu and Cristante in their current roles, not creating like a DM role outside of that 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 that's my opinion yeah i completely agree i don't really have much to add other than you know if it if it ain't broke don't fix it so i think we'll continue to ride this wave for as long as we continue performing the way Mourinho wants us to um maybe things change a little bit when spinazzola comes back but we saw under fonseca that um spinazzola can play well on that wing as well as a wing back as well so um I think, you know, we're just going to continue to ride this until, until it stops working. Yeah, I agree. I think if, if, if they continue to get results with the three man back line after the break with Milan and Juve, they could get a couple of results out of those matches. Then I think Mourinho sticks with it, especially in the big matches where maybe the talent level is a little bit better than what Roma has to offer at times, uh, at least in the current moment. Uh, but you know, good teams should be able to switch between formations. If you're playing, playing Salernitana and you know you can dominate the match you don't need a third center back you know Brian Cristante should be able to cover the defensive midfield or a, a DM that you might bring in even if it's not a world-class DM should be able to cover that position against a Salernitana or a Genoa or a, you know one of those bottom table teams so I think you know Roma's got to be flexible too and you know play the match that's in front of you and put the best 11 out for the matchup that's in front of you uh, I think that's what it will, will come down to for Roma so we'll take a quick commercial break here and then we'll get into some things looking forward. All right. So we're back from our, our quick commercial break. Uh, we have a couple, you know, questions now more geared toward January and moving forward. Um, AS Roman fan six followed up his first question about the defense by saying he doesn't think that the team is going to change significantly in January, which Jim pointed out the comments that he saw, maybe a defensive midfielder or another right back. What are your thoughts about these formations and which formation would you like to see Roma adopt as their base formation and why? So, you know, granted, they might be flexible, but do you like the 3-5-2 uh, 
three, four, two, one, three, four, three, or four, two, three, one, which is uh Mourinho's, you know, kind of vintage formation that he started the season with. Yeah. I think for me, it goes back to what we were just talking about where with the formation that we have now, you know, we, we should stick with it until it stops working. So I think that's, that's still going to be the response for me, but I think my personal preference, my go-to on FIFA um, is the four, two, three, one. And I think, Mourinho's talked about wanting to um or the importance rather of establishing an identity and a formation before you experiment and so I think definitely next season at some point this season I wouldn't be surprised if he went back to it um going back to the 4-2-3-1 just because you know that's 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 the identity that he wants to build with his team yeah, I mean, I agree that the four-two-three-one seems like his long-term plan, and I think that the transfers that we've been linked to, whether that you know that's a backup right back or a de- a rotational midfielder to, to go with um, Cristante and Vertu, uh, I think that those kind of fit with long-term thinking that we're going to be doing a four-two-three-one. Given that, I was pretty interested by what I saw from Zaniolo playing in more of a second striker role. Uh, against Atalanta, I I liked what I saw and I felt like it brought more of the best of his game out. Um, so I'm I'm not 100% sure going forward what Mourinho will do if he'll necessarily go back to that 4-2-3-1. Like, will he see that, you know, Zaniolo's working in this second striker position really well and say, okay, we're going to run with this kind of Tammy Zaniolo two-striker force option. Or is he going to have Zaniolo go back to the right wing where for a lot of the season, he hasn't been as successful. I'm not really sure. Um, I think it's, a, if, I think whatever wins matches, he'll probably stick with. Uh, I, but I would say that, you know, as home base, I think it looks like four, two, three, one is going to be our formation. And that makes sense to me based off of what we have and what we're looking for. Yeah, I agree. I think long-term Reno is going to revert to his four, two, three, one at some point, whether it be this season or next. Uh, especially as Roma bring in players that fit that model better. I think for right now, I, I think they're going to stick with the three in the back, like, like we said. Um, an intriguing thing we'll talk about is uh, in, a, in a couple of questions is Pellegrini's role in that. And that's why I almost would like to see a three, four, one, two, in a sense, where Pellegrini kind of drops behind Tammy and Zaniolo, who are, you know, springing counterattacks, I think could be an interesting way uh, that Rome might be able to approach things. So I think there's going to be some flexibility in that midfield, depending on who's playing uh, in certain matches, whether it's Mkhitaryan, Pellegrini, Vertu. I think there's a lot of interchange that could happen there. But I think eventually 4-2-3-1 becomes Roma's formation um, at some point, like the guy said. So Aristotle looked at the, the, the win in an interesting way. And he said, uh, Jose served us lamb shanks. He's been cooking slowly in an oven for hours and it tasted delicious and I want more. This performance shows uh, Jose Mourinho has the recipe, but needs the ingredients to keep putting out such quality. My question is, who do you bring in Rick sub? Because his co- uh, Jose's comments worried me. Um, you know, Jose basically said, uh, I, it was something to the effect, I don't have the comment pulled up. I'll, I'll pull it up while the guys are talking. But it was something to the effect that Karzorp had his shin guards broken in the first half. He was really struggling through the match, but he knew we had nobody else. So he sucked it up and, and finished the match. So, uh, wh- who do you see as the potential for Roma to bring in at right back? Well, I guess I'll go first. Um, I'm still not a hundred percent, you know, thinking that Brian Reynolds is like DOA, but 
there was a guy that we saw that I saw being linked from Norwich. Let me look up his name because I'm sorry, I don't I don't keep up with small Premier League sides. Um, I believe Aaron's is his name, uh, and he yeah Max Aaron's, uh, 21 years old, right back. That seemed to be the guy we were linked to. He's a you know English national team U21 guy. Originally, we were linked to Diogo Dallo of Manchester United, but it doesn't really seem like that's going to work, both because Ralph Rangnick wants to keep him around and, um, you know, it seems like the price Manchester United would be expecting for him, period, might be too high. So if we're able to get, you know, a guy with some pretty solid Premier League experience, you know, who might already have played with Tammy Abraham before, uh, that would work for me. Uh, in that backup right back position. I don't think we need to reinvent the wheel here necessarily. I think that Karsdorp has been doing a good job. Um, and yeah, I mean, there are far worse positions for Roma to be in than to have two prospects at right back kind of gunning for that backup right back slot. Like if we bring in, you know, this guy, Aaron's on loan, and that's enough of a kick in the pants for Reynolds to, you know, show something that he hasn't shown before. So win for me if we were only bringing him on alone with an option, for example. We'll see what happens. But uh, there's a good chance based off of how Roma has operated in the transfer market under Thiago Pinto that we won't even know the name of who we're signing until like 24 hours beforehand. So I'll, I'll try to keep my options open. I think we got to do a little bit more and give props to Aristotle for the opening to this question. It's just <laughs> phenomenal. I want every question to come in like my man Aristotle's did. Um, as for, you know, Jim covered all the, the transfer um, potentials that we have on the horizon in terms of in-house subs, Brian Reynolds, that man's not seen the light of day uh, anytime soon, it appears. So I think it'll, you know, if, if we're looking at in-house options, it'll continue to be what we've, what we've seen thus far, which is, um, especially if we're playing four at the back, or Mourinho brings on one of the other center backs and push and pushes either Ibanez or Mancini out wide. And I think it's a little easier to, to sub Rick out if we're playing on the three, five, two formation where, you know, it might not be his preferred position or one that he's comfortable with, but, you know, you can put a Carlos Perez in there or an El Shirari on the right side. Um, you know, depending, depending on what, what point of the match you're in and how desperate you are. Um, but I think, you know, that it's, this question is the reason why right back is an area of focus in the winter market. So um, we'll probably have to look to that to get, to get the, the, the true solution. Yeah. And I, and I, it's, it's not even because cars are been bad. Like Jim said, cars are been playing very well, in my opinion, especially of late. It's just that the poor guy, like, <laughs> Here's Mourinho's exact quote. So well done to the boys, guys like Carzerv who had his shin pads cracked in half and was struggling, but realized we didn't have anyone on the bench that could replace him. It's that type of sacrifice that a team needs. And obviously Mourinho was pointing out the fact that he made a sacrifice for the team, you know, trying to build up that siege mentality that Mourinho is always talking about and really just fighting for the Jersey. But man, I mean, like you said, Brian Reynolds wasn't even on the bench for this one. I don't know when the last time he was even on the bench for a match was, uh, says a lot about him. You know, I think Roma will try to find some kind of solution, even if it's a guy who is a, the clear backup to Karsdorp. I don't think they're even going to look for somebody to push Karsdorp for minutes at this point. Just when Karsdorp needs to be spelled in the conference league or Karsdorp needs to be spelled against Salernitana or something. So he's fresh for the big matches like this one. Um, you know, Karsdorp, he's, he's earned a lot of my respect in, in the past season or so. 
because this is a guy who came in injury prone um, from Feyenoord. He's played pretty well the last two seasons, and now he's gutting through, uh, you know, potential pain and things like this. So uh, certainly a, almost a 180 in what we've seen from him from a, a physical perspective. But yeah, I mean, I saw in that Kambula piece that I referenced on El Romanista one potential loan swap was Wilfred Singo of Torino. I mean, if, if Roma could make that move and find a, a different backup center back, I would almost take that in a heart because Singo is a, a heck of a talent um, and would fill a, a need, but then you need another center back, especially if Jose is playing with three center backs. So yeah, that creates another issue. So um, in some ways, I think right back is almost overtaking defensive mid as a, as a need in the current moment, if Jose sticks with the back three, um, but it's gonna be hard for Pinto. And like Jim said, I think it's gonna be a name we probably haven't even heard of because Pinto has been doing that pretty much since he's been here at Roma. Um, going to a little further up the pitch, it's me, JVK asked, what does it mean it, to Pellegrini if the five, three, two works as it appears to, uh, five, three, two, three, five, two, whichever way you look at it. Um, is he going to take Mickey's place? I don't think Mourinho will change it if it works this well. Um, what do you make of our Capitano in this formation? So I'm inclined to, you know, lean with the, the school of thought of right with the hot hand and, um, if a certain 11 is doing well to there's no need to change it if you don't have to, but Pellegrini has been our best player thus far this season. And I think as soon as he's good to go, Mourinho is going to throw him right back in there, but that's kind of the beauty of Mkhitaryan. It's that he's pretty versatile. So you can um, plug him in a few different spots, whether it be, you know, out wide or um, up top with Tammy. I think he has a skill set to, to make it work. Um, but you know, having said that, Belly Green is our best player. So I think as soon as he's good to go, he's going to be right back in there. Yeah, I 100% agree that Pellegrini is our best player. I don't think that's you know in any doubt at this point. I think that at the beginning of the season, when when we didn't know what we were going to be getting from Zaniolo just yet, there was some question of whether Zaniolo could really just snap right back on and be Roma's best player from day one. He obviously needs more time. Uh, and given that, you know, Pellegrini was just on fire to start this season. I, I think we're going to look back at the beginning of the season and be like, wow, this is when he became like a star player for both club and country, just confirmed. And if he's able to continue that form, that's great. I, I will just say that Mkhitaryan is old enough now that I'm pretty sure that we're going to get to the point in the season where, you know, it's obvious that the tread is falling off the tires a little bit. That's not to say that it's a going to be a permanent thing it's just going to be that we have a big enough schedule like a busy enough schedule that it's likely that he will need some time off so I wouldn't be surprised if as it's the JVK said you know Pellegrini comes in from a Qatarian and becomes more of a starting player over the next couple months once he's back just because not necessarily because Mkhitaryan doesn't deserve a smart starting spot but because he's going to have to be sparingly if we want him to be at 100 percent for the rest of the season, particularly if the Armenian national team seems hell bent on, you know, playing them every single second of every single match on every single international break. Yeah. It, it's an interesting question because Mikatarin is the likely guy to make way for Pellegrini. If we stick with the three, five, two, that's the biggest issue with the playing three center backs is you lose a creative player somewhere else in the pitch because you're basically taking off a midfielder or, that type of player to fill in with that third center back because your, your fullbacks become the, the wing backs. Um, so it kind of creates a conundrum where you have too many players for that midfield position, but that's also a good problem to have because Mourinho always talks about how great squads have 
two starters for every position. And like Jim said, the schedule is still congested. You know, we might have avoided the next round of matches in the conference league, but sooner or later we have those matches, two week matches. We see right away we have Milan and Juve right away, you know, within four days, three days of each other, uh, Thursday and a Sunday. We have the Coppa Italia coming up midweek. So there'll be minutes available for everybody. Uh, in some ways, this might be a good thing because Pellegrini isn't the healthiest full of time either. So he could use the day off. Mikatarian could use days off. Jordan Vertu could use days off. Those three to me can be very interchangeable. Um, the position that might be hardest to fill would be the days Cristante needs a day off unless we could get a defensive midfielder to cover for him. Um, so I think there'll be plenty of minutes. Uh, to me, Pellegrini is a surefire starter. Like Brandon said, he's been our captain. He's been our best player to start the year. And unless he comes back in really poor form, I don't see how Mourinho doesn't start him. He's supposed to be, from what I saw, available by the Milan match right after break. Uh, El Sharari also might be available as soon as Wednesday, but definitely for the Milan match. That creates a couple more uh, guys that you have some more depth. But yeah, Mkhitaryan's going to need his days off. I think even Vertu and Pellegrini will need their days off. So I think Jose will find a way to keep everybody happy, rotate, and, and get everybody playing. And hopefully that brings out the best in all of them as well. Because then a little competition also does guys well sometimes where someone's pushing you for minutes. Um, and James Salvaggio, looking ahead now, he said, after a win like this, does that change your confidence with Milan, Juventus, and Empoli coming up next month? And it's funny how Empoli gets thrown in there these days because they're actually top half still. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is going to change the team's confidence heading into Milan events. I definitely think that's true. Uh, you could tell from the post-match interviews with to Zaniolo, Abraham, uh, and Mourinho that this was a match that needed to happen sooner or later just for the players' confidence. Uh, you, t- you talk to Mourinho and he says, you know, people were always complaining about how this club was never beating a uh, big team, so I'll just say it now. It's been 20 minutes since we beat a big team. And, uh, you know, Zaniolo talking with huge relief on his face post-match after finally getting a Serie A goal. Uh, I think both of those things are going to be huge for this club in the next couple of weeks. Even if we lose one of those matches, which I don't, I think there's a chance we win both. But like, let's say that we draw or lose to Milan. I wouldn't be utterly shocked if the club was able to maintain more self-worth, self-belief going in going into that second match just because it's no longer that there's a such a long streak of not beating any of these important clubs i think that just getting one is going to have a huge long-term impact for this club because it shows to them that you know hype aside they have the ability on their day to win these matches and you need that confidence when you're coming into a huge game like that with you know tens of thousands of supporters in the stands so I'll start with Empley and say, you know, as as well as they're playing as giant killers as they seem to be seem to have been this thus far this season, I think we should be beating them every time. And just, you know, that's generally how I feel about that. As for the other two, I completely agree with what Jimmy was saying for all the points that he raised in terms of the team's confidence against these bigger sides. In terms of my own. We're going to lose Milan. We're going to lose against Juve. I'm saying it now. I have no confidence going into any of these matches. Um, I'm not even going to pretend to get my hopes up for them. (laughs) Uh, I'm just going to hope that you're right. I hope we continue with the reverse jinxes and it goes well. And then, you know, you could just keep calling seven one losses every big match. But I do think the confidence builds a little bit. When you go to Bergamo and now 
The funny thing with Atalanta, and I mentioned in the last pod, I said the one thing that gave me a little bit of hope was that Atalanta wasn't as good as uh, at home as on the road. They were so much better on the road uh, playing as kind of like the maybe where the other home team had to play a little bit more open because the home team's expected to kind of control the match. And Atalanta took advantage of that in a lot of those matches where this time we took control of the match with that early goal and we dictated the, the play a bit. Um, so in terms of confidence, I think the confidence builds a little bit because of the way we won this match. And I think for the players, the pressure comes off a lot. I mean, I, I wrote in the piece, it was like the monkey on their back was like a silverback gorilla by the time this Atalanta match rolled around, losing so many times and drawing a few. And then the couple wins were Juve and Lazio at the end of those seasons with nothing to play for, really worthless victories. Um, so I think the confidence for the players will be big. And I think Mourinho has been building that. We see the team, you know, mentality. Everybody battles for each other, which is great to see. It doesn't seem like there's any like, anybody that's like kind of on the periphery that's like all for himself you know Tammy has come in been all for the team Zaniolo's shown the sacrifice I mean Tammy's numbers I think Brent pointed out in the centers and saints the number of pressures he applied in the match for a striker was unbelievable you know something you don't really see from a striker so when you see those kind of things you're like wow this team is really you know playing as a unit and Tammy had 27 pressure pressures you know your strikers working his tail off to help the midfield help the defense so I think if they can keep building this confidence in themselves, everybody works hard. Everybody works for the team. They've got that siege mentality and there's no referee giving a, a bad call that could completely change how it goes and people lose their heads. I think we're going to have a really good chance against Milan and Juventus, especially Juve. Uh, not only because I think Juve is a, a weaker side this year. And I, I was, you know, I thought we should have beaten them the first time. It'll be at the Olympico where the crowd has been raucous lately. I think they've already sold 50,000 for a midweek game against Sampdoria heading into the holidays. So that just shows the enthusiasm around the club. And uh, hopefully the Olympico can become like a fortress again, um, you know, and, and uh, hopefully the, the lack of pressure will just, the players can say, you know what, we did it once, we can do it again and again and again. And that's what Mourinho's looking to do. And, and that's how trophies are won in the long run, honestly, because Mourinho's won plenty of trophies. He knows how to build that mentality. And Zanyolismo asked, do you think this game will be a turning point of our season or just a one-off game? Uh, that's the big question after this one, I guess. Yes. I mean, I, I, I hate to get overly optimistic. I know that everyone thinks I'm just the optimistic one, but I do think that this is a turning point for the team, not just in a season all kind of way, but just in a, this squad has been through a lot because of injuries, because of COVID, because of, you know, the ownership change because of Zaniolo getting two ACL tears. Like there are so many different reasons that this squad has like kind of had a rough go of it over the past couple of years, including the Fonseca era. And I would say that having a win like this under your belt, as I already said, it's going to be huge. And I think having a win like this under your belt with a Zaniolo goal, with an Abraham brace, there was a lot of noise that was building up, not just around Zaniolo, but around Abraham as well, with people criticizing both of them for, you know, not carrying the weight as well as they should which to me was always kind of garbage just because you know Zaniolo had like two years off after two consecutive ACL tears and Abraham already has scored more goals than Ed and Jaco did who was like supposed to be the finished article uh when he signed for Roma in that first season so given all of that I always thought that the garbage that was being directed at both of them was just that garbage but the fact that we won this emphatically and in this way with those players scoring I think that that can be a really strong turning point for all involved. And we can maybe hopefully see Abraham move away from, you know, just being able to be Tammy two goals against 
minnow clubs or in the Europa Conference League and towards being a guy who's, you know, a constant threat regardless of what club he's playing. And the same with Zaniolo. I think that the fact that his first goal back was against a big club in a huge match, that's going to do a lot for his mentality. And if those two are doing better, then I think it's going to be a turning point for the season. I think for me, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to say if this is going to be a turning point or if it's just a one-off. And, you know, it's not even the pessimist in me, but, you know, we can see, we can see a letdown against Sampdoria where, um, you know, you're just, you're just coming off an emotional high and have a stinker the next match. We've seen that all time and time again with uh, big teams over the years. Um, but, you know, it, it, it could be, a, it could be a turning point. You know, we can roll over Sampdoria and ride the wave into Milan and Juve and take points off of them and go from there and, you know, um, take a take a take our spot in the Champions League race again. But I think more importantly, though, it's going to be this match has the opportunity to be a defining moment in the Mourinho era where everybody finally buys in and, um, you know, an identity starts to set in a little bit more than it has thus far. And, you know, this, this can lay the foundations for a really strong second season if they don't, um, you know, let the opportunity get away from them and start to slip up. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I wrote a piece that was titled Roma's win over Atalanta could become turning point in the Mourinho project. I, I think it could be. Obviously, they can't stink it up the next two, three matches uh, and just, you know, fall apart against these other big sides because then, then the the narratives get restarted again, like we said earlier, but I think this could be a turning point. And like Jim mentions, Agnolo scoring is huge. I mean, talk about pressure. Not only was the pressure on the team to win against the big side, think about the pressure Zaniolo must be putting on himself besides the pressure from the outside for him to score a goal after he was out for so long, you know, he scored in the conference league, big whoop. A lot of people were probably thinking, but where's the legal, but you know, he's been playing pretty well, but now the goal's there and now the pressure comes off just a little bit. And he can play maybe a little more freely. And, you know, we're getting guys back from injury who are big pieces. Pellegrini, Spinazzola, uh, even Ostrari was playing well before he went down injured. So it, it could be a turning point. If they can go and get maybe seven points of their next nine, beat Sampdoria, get four points off of Milan and Juve, and then they're within striking distance of the top four going into the home stretch of the season. This could be the reason we are in the home stretch, looking at a potential Champions League spot or at least pushing for one. You know, if Roma lost this one, Champions League was out the window um completely i think there was no way they were coming back from that kind of deficit and they would have been 12 behind at uh, atalanta they would have been like 13 or 14 behind the milan and napoli it was done now at least they're within touching distance where a win goes you know this week suppose they beat samp and things don't go so well for milan and you're within striking distance of them too and you play them head to head so could be a turning point but again they have to follow it up and i, I think brandon made, made a good point you know this could push into next year which is year two of the project, which is where we really want to see the growth. So just to end on, on a bit of a, a lighthearted topic, Andy Lake Sports came across, you know, and, and in reference to Zaniolo getting the big goal with his new haircut, he asked, should I get a haircut before my next adult league soccer match? Everyone should get haircuts. You need to develop a good relationship with your barber. You need to, you know, don't just say, make it high and tight, do something fun with your hair. If, if you've got good hair, you got to make it work. You know, can't, you can't count on your hair lasting forever. So make sure that the time that you have your hair is you're getting good, <laughs> good, fun haircuts. That's my philosophy. That got way more philosophical than I thought it was going to. 
but um yeah I, I would say you know the the old adage look good feel good play good um so if that's if that's your cup of tea go for it get that haircut i think for me when i'm playing in season um if i'm playing well i won't get a haircut but as soon as we hit the playoffs or that championship game it's time for the fresh cut so i think you know it's what you're up whatever your cup of tea is and uh how has you feeling best on uh, match day yeah as jim said enjoy your hair while you have it i can say mine is thinning on the top so uh you know, do what you want to do with your hair while you still have it. Get those cool haircuts. So you know, get like that Graziano Pele, like nice slick that the guys were all doing a couple seasons ago. Well, you still got that nice thick hair. Um, you know, I I didn't. The barbers were closed during the quarantine last March. I didn't get a haircut for like three months, and uh, my beard I then didn't trim it for like three months. Uh, <laughs> by the time I got a haircut and, and trimmed up my beard, I was like, wow, I look like a completely different person. My wife definitely appreciated it because she said that I then look like a caveman during quarantine. So, Dimanji. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, three, or four, three or four months into quarantine, I started looking like John Ralphio from Parks and Rec. That was that was rough. That was rough. It was just getting way too oof, bad. So yes, get the haircuts while you can because with <laughs> Omicron, oof, who knows what we're going to be doing in the next couple months. So stay was, safe, everybody. As yeah, usual. I'm, I would say get the haircut as long as you like your hair short. If you like it long, hey, do your thing and just uh, try to play like Zaniolo. Uh, so we'll leave you guys on that lighthearted topic. It's good to have a laugh at the end of the pod after a big win. You know, we can finally come on here with smiles on our faces. Not like, holy crap, we lost to Bologna, one nothing. What the hell are we going to talk about? We got hammered by Inter. What are we going to talk about? Uh, so, Brandon, I know you got a new piece on the website you can tell the listeners about before we go. Yeah, it's uh, titled Three Things. Um, it's a new series I'm working on. Uh, essentially a post-match write-up, but um, yeah, where I just look at three things I either liked or didn't like or somewhere in between. Um, so yeah, that I think that came out just yesterday or this morning, actually. Do you have anything you want to leave the listeners with before uh, we sign off? Yeah, don't hate on Brian Cristante for that own goal because like, come on, man. How, how, I, there is zero way that anybody from Sergio Ramos to Francesco Totti could have done anything different on that that was just like bad luck times 10 i i don't know what black cat brian cristante walked in front of recently but he seems to be piling up own goals that are entirely not his fault so but but to the romanisti out there please do not shit on brian cristante he's he, he's worthy of your love i promise that was all muriel he that dude's a terminator so as soon as he got on i was like we, we we're toast we're extra toast <laughs> yeah that guy's a scoring machine um, yeah, you could check out my piece about this potentially being a Roma turning point. Let me know what you think in the comment section. If you have any questions for the pod and you're not on Twitter, you can leave them in the pod right up on the website and we can uh, get to them next time around. Um, and look out for all of our match day coverage because Roma does have one more match before Christmas and the holiday break. Um, and we will definitely be back before Roma's back uh, at least once. So um, thanks again for listening and, and you know, smile at least until Wednesday when Roma plays again. Hopefully we'll keep smiling through Christmas and into New Year's. 